I'm Lisa Anita Wagner. And I am Lisa McEwen. And together we are She's Gotta Have Have It! it, Exclamation mark. And welcome to this episode of She's, She's Gotta, Gotta Have It! Exclamation mark. In which we are talking about episode 7 of I Love Dick called The Barter Economy. And we'll start with our What We Want section. I came up with one in the last 10 seconds hmm. so I can start if Perfect. that makes things easier. Yes. Um, I would like, I'm going to take some inspiration from you this week. I would like some very comfy pajamas. <sighs> I recently just, as I am recondoing my apartment, I recently purged a lot of stuff that I don't um, love or use. And now I actually have some space and I know some of the things I need to get. And, uh, and, I, and I do need another set of pajamas. Because right now... I'm constantly washing the ones that I have <laughs> and re-wearing them. So yeah, that is what I want. I want some very comfy pajamas. Well, I'm going to piggyback off yours again. <laughs> but one thing that I realized, um, I think I said today, actually, I'm wearing pajamas as we speak. <laughs> I did wear pajamas as clothes a lot of my life and reminded by Natasha Stoinoff, a friend of mine recently, I actually feel like I want to celebrate wearing pajamas yeah as a choice because they are the most comfortable and one of the things with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that I have is my weight does go up and down and I was just a little bit bigger and all my clothes were too tight including my these favorite pajamas and they are now fitting me again so that was just a lovely sideline but during that time I wanted a thing of my childhood I remember in the like 80s you could go to Byway and get these. I, they looked to me like Little House on the Prairie nighties. So they had, you know, like the like the buttons and they were flannel and it was like a one piece kind of nighty. Oh, and I remember wanting a nighty again because again, it's just actually the actual most comfortable. So again, no tight, no yeah, no tightness anywhere. And I remember having those as an adult when I was living with different lovers and everybody put their foot down and they're like, no Little House on the Prairie nightgown. <laughs> <laughs> and I realize it's not the sexiest look in the world, but anyway, I would like actually to get myself a little house on the prairie flannel nightgown. Amazing. Well, let's dive in. Amazon's description of the barter economy is Dick questions his role at the Institute, creating a new opportunity for Paula. Toby sets boundaries and Devin takes her work in a new direction. Chris and Silver come to an impasse. It's a pretty, pretty accurate description. It is. Toby sets boundaries. I guess that was my only question. Is that in terms of saying she doesn't want to go back and spend the night yep. with? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think so. Let's dive into uh, some some initial initial thoughts. thoughts. Well, as you had pointed out, just as we were finished watching it upstairs. This is almost another bridging episode, or it's almost like there's these moments between the the scenes that lead up to it. And this is a very well-crafted episode, but it does have a feeling of like leading up. And then the way that they end is very expert too, where it's like you literally feel like, okay, now the next thing, and then it's like end to close. So I feel like they do very good little mini kind of cliffhangers too. Yeah, I thought this episode was also very well-crafted. I mean, everything... Every single episode of this show, 
uh, all eight are, I think, very well crafted. And I think what we see kind of, we see like the initial hotel episode and that that is a feeling like, okay, something is happening. And then the rest of the stuff is is very like transitional. Um, And what I really liked about the contrast between, now that you draw my attention to the opening and the closing of the episode, the opening scene is Chris and her um, hotel towel getting dressed so that she can then get undressed for dick and i'm just constant i'm thinking more and more about this john Berger stuff and these themes of like nakedness and nudity and what it means to like undress and she's she's getting ready to like undress as a performance at the beginning and then by the end she's at what did you call it dick's water hole <laughs> it's an amazing it's exactly what it is it's his water hole and uh she's getting naked I think in a kind of less of a performance way where she's just getting into the into the water and she actually keeps her clothes on when she gets oh does she yeah oh that's okay see that's interesting I because I remember there was an earlier episode where Dick is standing in front of his water hole and he's taking his clothes off so I'm confusing it with that one so that's interesting then too that she doesn't take her clothes off that she's still kind of like keeping them on yeah she submerges herself because i think those that, that hole looks like to me it's like a big well because they can't fill something that big is yeah. that accurate to say like that's what anyway that's what it looks like to me it's a very fascinating thing with like a deck on the outside of it yeah i mean it looks like it's a kind of pool but like a really kind of rudimentary one hmm. like it's not doesn't look like it's heated or anything yeah but yeah just to, to go back to the beginning like the the first <laughs> image of her in the hotel towel with her hair all wrapped up in a towel and her nose bandage on for like removing blackheads or whatever it's for. And Dick's like, oh, you got my attention. And she's like, oh, and just, yeah, just how unsexy she looks. <laughs> it's always funny to see that scene again because he really is so cheeseball in all of yeah. his, his maneuvers of the things he says. But you can see that they used to work in the past. Like you can imagine him with his like yeah. art memories. Like we can talk about art. I can tell you what I know. Yeah. <laughs> His little and his little smirk seduction performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So because it, it feels like a lot of what's going on in that scene is is about performance. Because she lets him in and then she runs into the bathroom and puts on her bra, which is like a pain in the ass and is like not doing up. And she she puts on clothes in this super awkward way as he's waiting outside, legs splayed in his very loner cowboy kind of pose and it still struck me that she's preparing for this performance of taking her clothes off because i think she says at one point i wrote i wrote this down i put them on so that we could take them off and then suddenly in terms of his desire he's not really i don't know what the word is he's not expressing anything intensely because I think she says something like, you know, is this like what I should be doing? Or is this what you want to see? And he says, I wouldn't say no to that. And it's like, it's a, it's like the, it's the weakest way of saying, yes, I want this. He's not owning it. I feel the same way. I felt like he wasn't owning any of the moments and he had this shruggishness about him that I found yeah. very irritating yes. along with his cheesy lines. I was like, ew. <laughs> Yeah. Like you can imagine from her perspective, it's like, okay, I don't really feel desired. I feel like he's phoning it in. He's phoning it in. Exactly. And she's like, well, you know, affirm yes or no. And then his response, I'm not uncomfortable with the idea, Chris. Chris. Like as though that's somehow 
emphasizing it. Like, that doesn't change what he's saying at all. And then she takes her shirt off awkwardly, and then the hotel manager comes to the door. The high hotel manager with the three jobs. <laughs> so high that Chris is not paying for the hotel room. Yeah, and uh, an officer ice, and she takes the whole bucket. It just reminded me of the water scene from, from the previous episode where she takes all the water, she takes all of the ice. And did someone, did she really room service ice? Or was that lady just high and walking around and ringing the doorbell with ice? (laughs) (laughs) Probably that one, because it doesn't, it didn't seem to make sense that she would be there. Yeah. And then, and then she closes the door and she turns around and she's like, I don't know what's happening right now. Can we just talk about what's happening right now? Which is, I think, a beautiful moment because I think that a lot of people are often too scared to, to sort of stop something that doesn't feel right halfway in between and and say like i don't know what's happening yeah, talk can about we just it. check in and also this is something she's wanted for so long so i do think it's really cool that she's like yeah but not like this yeah like, it wasn't good enough it wasn't up to yes. her standard of what she wanted it to be yes exactly and then he starts his seduction performance and like you know do you want to know about me do you want to know about my childhood we could talk about this art i can tell you about this and he's got her on the bed and she's sort of lying back and there's an awkward moment where she's like pushing a book out of the way. And I liked that because it was very realistic because, you know, in a lot of like movie sex scenes, it's like there's never anything in the way. Everything is perfect. Everyone falls on the bed in a perfect way. It's like, no, that's not how sex works. And he's running his hand up and down her body. And then suddenly we come back up to her face and she flinches. This is the moment last last time we watched this. I don't know if you remember. I was like, we need to talk about this. She flinches and he immediately stops. He notices immediately and he stops and he's like, what's wrong? And I would just like to say that is a moment that I think is remarkable because I think it probably doesn't happen enough. And so I haven't planned out what I'm going to say about this. So I'm going to try and wrap my thoughts around this as well as I can. The way that women are objectified has a very little to do with their face. And part of my work, listeners, is about the nature of consent and what's going wrong that our culture is so bad at understanding consent and what consent looks like. And there are all sorts of campaigns, like, you know, in the 90s it was like, no means no, and then after there was a turn where it wasn't no means no anymore because to to put the onus on the woman to say no is still too much pressure. So the idea is you need to be actively seeking consent. But people still seem to be really unclear a lot of the time on what that looks like, how easy it is to pressure women into these situations, and that that consent can, can be revoked at any time. And that the point is not that somebody needs to make a declaration or that you need to, like, sign on the dotted line, but that you need to be tuned in to the person who is right in front of your face. And so a lot of the time assault happens not because someone's intending to assault like there are the harvey wine scenes of the world who know what the fuck they're doing they don't give a shit they orchestrate the entire performance of their assault so that they are immune from accountability but there's also the other subset of people who just genuinely don't get it and end up assaulting people without intending to and that's the kind of class of case that I talk about in my dissertation. And I remember a friend of mine who he's a professor at the university in the philosophy department and he is a gay man. 
And he was telling me one day, he used to defend straight men's pornography against kind of a lot of feminist critiques until one day Google accidentally advertised straight porn at him. He's, I, I, I don't really know the ins and outs of exactly what happened, but the idea is that for a second or two, like, or for, for about five or ten seconds, straight porn was playing in front of him. And he was like, oh, God, <laughs> he closed it. But he was like, it was awful. I will never defend it ever again. And I, and when he was telling me the story, I was like, oh, my God, like, what in 10 seconds did you see that changed your mind that you've been defending? And he was like, the look on her face is what changed my mind, because this woman was not having a good time. It just struck me how much we're not trained into tuning into women's emotional life in those moments, right? So if pornography is the place where we see sex the most, if pornography is the place where people are being educated, quote unquote, in some big scary scare quotes there, educated into what sex is like, and pornography doesn't give a shit about caring about what a woman's actual experience is, or that it can change, or that it might be complex and kind of there might be a flow of different emotions you might have, then that is a real problem because people are not learning how to care about the internal emotional life of a woman and how much that matters for what consent looks like. And this was a moment of this genius loner cowboy dude seducing a woman and like really modeling that he was tuned in. Yeah. Like he noticed immediately. And I was just struck by that because I think we don't see that modeled in film and television very often. And we certainly don't see it modeled by that kind of guy. Yeah. That is the end of my little rant. <laughs> Very well put together. Thank you. I'm a little sleepy tonight, listeners. <laughs> so I was not sure how that was going to come out, but that it came out pretty coherently, I think. Yeah, absolutely. She says, doesn't this feel weird? And he says, is it your husband? And, and she says, that's part of it. And that's when he tries to reassure her. I take it that he's trying to reassure her. By saying, oh, we talked. We spoke about this. Yeah. Me and Silver. And that's when things <laughs> start to go wrong. Because Dick thinks that's a helpful thing to say. And Chris is appalled. Because what that sounds like to her, rightly so, is that these men have made a fucking deal about her. As she said, they bartered her pussy. Yeah. This is, hence the, the name of the episode, The Barter Economy. And it reminds me, like, that... You know, just as I wasn't thinking about this when we were watching the episode, but I'm now thinking about it, sitting here talking about it, the way they conspired in the very first episode about the nature of her work as she kind of looked on uncomfortably at them discussing her and how gross that scene felt. Yeah. And it was like she sort of found herself back there, but she reacted very differently. This time she was having none of it. Exactly. And then, oh, he says, you pointed this out. Silvera said, I want you to fuck my wife. And you said, that's actually not true. That's not what Silvera says. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Silvera says, I think you should. Because for him, it's like a cathartic thing. Like she just needs to get him out of her system or yeah. something. Like he just wants it over and done with, I think. Not that he's somehow getting off on dick fucking his wife. Or maybe, I mean, like, maybe on some level he's, but, like, that didn't seem to be about what that statement was about for him. And then she, she goes off on a rant, like, he sent you here to fuck me, you guys had a deal about me, you traded me, like, a baseball card? And I just thought that was such a great, like, that's, like, a literal objectification kind of image. And then he says, this is getting exciting. And then she turns back to him, and I thought this was great. She's like, 
don't give me that John Wayne you're pretty when you're angry stuff get the fuck out and uh, we think of that in a kind of like as a sexual metaphor she's like expelling him from her like surroundings right like she's she's like not interested in sex with him or him being kind of anywhere in her vicinity yeah I feel like that's so bold because the more that I think about it especially if you're like really obsessed with someone it's so it's such a bold maneuver if they're finally like I'm here even if they're douchey cowboys at the end of the day I think it'd be so easy to just like he did his lame performance of trying to seduce her she could have just easily performed seducey and Mm -hmm. had it go a lot smoother but she has a kind of renewed sense of self-worth i think yeah and and a sense of purpose yeah that's fueling this it feels and it feels in a way like she's owning her desire more like she's instead of it kind of like running her she's running it. it yeah i found that very satisfying to watch that scene where she screams at him yeah, and then there's actually one of those red uh, place cards on the screen too that I think she said I somewhere in this arena, but she said I'm doing I'm going to to your land one last time. That was like how it was presented when she went yes. to his watering hole. What I wrote that. Did down. you write that one down? I wrote it down. Dear Dick, my body has become a divining rod, seeking to quench a lifetime of thirst. I'm drawn to your land one, one last time. time. Yeah, that happens before the final scene. So that seems sort of in the same way, too. She's owning it, being like, not this weird pickup bullshit. Thank you. But she's got something in her. She's going to give it one last time, yeah, to try to go to his land to see if she gets what she kind of wants. Kind of more on her terms. Yeah. Because it it is this sort of, like, cheesy pickup, like, all right, like, I guess let's do it this way. And, and it like, in a way, she's, well, she's rejecting him, but she's also rejecting that kind of, like, cheesy, tropey way of seducing someone because it doesn't feel real to her and she wants it to be real she doesn't want it to be like a game Kevin Bacon doing that inept cheesy pickup was really genius and very funny it was funny it was also like I can't even explain it it was very compelling in a way that I found like surprising well, I guess, too, over the years of my life, I can think back to different people doing kind of different versions of a lot of those things. And I always was like, because, you know, like, whatever. Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting to see the low standards of male romance we are offered. And I mean, also, you know, it's interesting. I'm just having this thought now. As we get towards the end of the series, there's a kind of stronger theme of what it is to perform masculinity. Dick's kind of like aesthetic kind of cheesy masculine performance then I think as contrasted maybe in the final like the like this this episode and the next one with Devin's uh, way of trying to kind of enact a performance of masculinity mm. in, a, in a more empowering thoughtful way yes and we can talk about that more in the in the next recording in the final episode of Dick oh we're gonna miss it so much listeners yeah I'm so sad. There's only one season of this show. I did not expect, I have to say, I did not expect to like this show this much. I am very nice. glad we watched it and I'm very glad we're here. Me as well. And I'm so glad I did such a turnaround. And again, I can't say I didn't like it when I first watched it, but I was so confused. Yeah. I like kind of hate love watched it the whole way through. <laughs> and what, so what made you return to it then? I actually couldn't even, it was not a return. I just kept, I remember watching it through once and I was like, oh my God, she's so cringy why I don't understand and then I just I kind of kept watching it and then started watching Jill Soloway talk about it at the same time so I guess I guess I was always obsessed with it at first I was confused and obsessed 
and I just kept watching it until it, and listen and thinking about it until it made more sense. That's you, really interesting. What? But what is it that like was compelling to you, even though you were also disgusted and confused? Chris Krause's character. Hmm. I guess I was so. I guess I was confused because I had read already the line that this might might be the first female gaze piece that Hollywood had put out. Like that's what I'd read. Mm. And I guess I was confused as to why I said, yeah, I didn't fully understand the female gaze yet. And that it was just a different, like a different option to the male gaze. And I guess I was confused as to a character why, like Chris Krause was the sort of highlighted first person to be looked at in that way, which again, I fully understand now, but I guess I, I guess I realized I had sort of bought into that hero's journey a bit harder than I realized that and again, I wasn't, because I feel like I'm really into interesting and damaged folks, but there still is some measure of like this kind of success that I guess I was carrying around as necessary. Yeah. Interesting. Oh yeah. Well, let's come back to that at the at next week's episode, because we can talk about what her journey meant maybe. At yeah. The end. All right. But then we move on to Dick seeing Toby's performance on the iPad. Yeah. And his reaction to that, which I thought was interesting that he'd never seen anything on a fucking iPad before. Like it, I am not familiar with whatever situation is um, creating those eyeballs. Um, I also didn't know what they are. They were there or hearts, a little hearts. He says, I, "What are these? What are they?" I thought it was yeah, a parody of like you know yeah, with any live video on any platform now you just like you see the emojis kind of float up. Oh, and I think that they're using a platform that wasn't real. Like yeah, you know what I mean? They yeah, made yeah. one up. So I think it was just implying that he hadn't looked on like social medias in enough time that he hadn't seen the floating yeah. responses. That yeah, was yeah. what I guess. Okay. Yeah. And he says like, what are these? And the response from the one who's also the hotel manager, whose character name I, I don't know, but she says those are eyeballs or those are retinas. And I thought that was an interesting way of putting it because it is about like literally like mm. eyeballs on Toby, like kind of literally and figuratively yeah. in terms of maybe what kind of gaze is on her and the kinds of social media responses to that and what that means. And Dick's kind of like throwing up his hands and being like, half a million people have seen this like what the fuck am I even doing here and then that scene with Paula the exchange with Paula which I think that episode in which we see Paula's background is really helpful here in terms of motivating her reaction it's true because you don't see much of her besides the background about her upbringing yeah and then this but yeah I love her character and uh and she says something about some some famous feminist artists she tried to com- like commission it or she tried to get it for their gallery and the the response was i don't think that our that my work will fit in with your vibe and dick says okay cool and then paula loses her shit on him and says what the fuck am i even doing here which i fully understand now after seeing her backstory and also it was a nice moment where like paula actually finally loses it like we see her kind of actually stand up and say what she's feeling and say what she needs and it was interesting too because when Dick first says to her, I need you to stay, I think, or don't go, don't go, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I don't and, want you to go. Yeah. And then when he actually leaves, it's even better for her than him yeah. saying, don't go. Yes, exactly. And then, and then we see her, we see her vision and then there's a montage where it's like her vision interspersed with Devin's vision. Right. Yeah. And it's like about the performance of femininity and the performance of masculinity kind of we're going back and forth between those two projects. Uh, and Devin is mostly just brainstorming and, and Paula is like, I mean, we see more kind of flashes, but we also see that flash of the, the performance of the group undressing that man. Yes. I love that. Which was so powerful. And I 
wish there was another art person here to like tell me more about that. But again, I think it's again with, it comes back to the John Berger stuff about what nudity and nakedness means because it seemed like a loving gesture Yeah. when they undressed him, but how that might relate to masculinity instead of like what we normally see, which is women undressing or undressed and what is compelling about that for Devin. Like we, that's what I, I want in a season two of this is like, I want to know more about like what is compelling about that for Devin, what Devin's trying to do with that. I have so many questions. Yeah. I know there was going to be more of it. Maybe someday they'll make another season Maybe. on some other platform. And it was great, too, when Paula dismantled Dick's show and put up her own. It definitely was a far more vivacious gallery. It wasn't just all these lines. Because yeah. Dick's really was a lot of stripes and then the broken brick. Yeah. And I didn't really realize until she ripped it down that it was really boring what yeah. he had up. Like, not, yeah. you know, like if you're a tourist in Marfa, you're like, oh, yeah, some pretty stripes. But I think that what Paula put together was a far more compelling. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's also what the creators of the show want. Yeah, to, absolutely. To see. I mean, it is sort of like hilarious that Dick is this huge artist and yet his art is just so boring. Like it is just so one note again and again, you know. I do like his little snake of boulders, though. Exactly. Well, so that's him branching out, though, because of the effect that Chris Kreis has on him. Yeah. I guess I had a question about the timeline because I always felt like this the six episodes were pretty quick. Mm. But at the beginning, you see him jogging and doing a little like makeshift version yeah. to like show yeah. it. And then in this episode already, they showed a shot that looked like it truly existed in real life. Yeah. But I guess I would have thought that putting something like that together would take at least six months. So was have they haven't been there for that long or? Do you, do you understand what where I'm? I do. Yeah. I. It is. A, it is a bit of a thing that is a bit of a mystery. I'm. I'm not sure that it ever is fully explained. We do know from the last episode that he had other people put that put together, together for him. Yeah. So it could be something that like because we see it's at the very end of the very first episode. So at least like a month has gone by, I think, in in which like this has happened. And I guess the difference with like his other pieces that would definitely take longer because they're built. But this really was like somebody would just have to source boulders and then place them. I think it could happen in say a month. Yeah. But it is, you're right, it's a bit of a stretch. Uh, it is a surprise that that she gets, shows up there and sees this huge snake boulder sculpture. And then she yeah. asks him if he does it, if he did it himself. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if just him topless with a lamb on one shoulder moving well, these boulders? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's why he yeah. looks sort of amused in his response. Like, no, I can't. But anyway, that's that's episode eight. Yes. We will get to that. We will get to the beauty of episode eight. I mean, there's the, the moment of Toby and Devin, Toby setting limits. I don't, like, it wasn't really a big moment. It, what was interesting to me about that moment when Toby said, I just need some space, your possessiveness is really a lot. I think, like, two things about that, which is that, you know... Like there is an imbalance in their interest and I can, I, I can appreciate, I, I don't really trust Toby as a character entirely, but it doesn't seem like she's performing here. It seems like that's coming from an authentic place. And when Devin sort of frustratedly walks away, it seems like she, she's cringing in a way that she sort of feels badly about what Devin's feelings are. or She feels awkward about that. And what felt like a rare sort of authentic Toby moment. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about it. It definitely felt like an authentic moment. It just seemed a bit harsh. Yeah. Because I actually didn't. I was I was thinking about it. I don't really think that Devin was super possessed. Like you could tell that you could tell the imbalance definitely. But I guess I feel like if it would just be so much more gracious 
to even just say like anything besides that like your possessiveness is a bit much like it was just this really almost like that dick like thing too of putting it all back onto Devin like yeah. it's your fault there's something yeah. wrong with you yeah. I just need a minute to like get myself together while you go have a problem I don't know just yeah. it seemed very but it was again very good writing I think that is how Toby would exactly do that yeah so it was just of interest but no I feel like it was authentic and then just her I could just see it sort of emotionally she it was really just part of her perf- yeah. performance of keeping people far away in the same way that dick does that but i yeah. do think it was authentic yeah um and i do think that someone that has those tendencies definitely keeps someone that is clingy at a strong arm's length so yeah. i do agree it was all very authentic and i think that that's going to be an important thing to come back to in the next episode see this is a kind of transition episode because there's stuff i have thoughts about but i don't want to i don't want to spoil it all right now oh chris actually before she goes back to dick's house she confronts Silver. so there's that and she like yells like how long did it take you to barter my pussy and he says hilariously we talked about other things like he doesn't challenge her description of what has happened yeah I love and she just makes her angrier oh um, my god and one line that just around this conversation too she goes did you have snacks and the way like you just said is so funny yeah and that is a funny image to like be bartering someone's pussy and be like here has it because he actually did give him a, a really dry quesadilla that yeah they, they were having snacks yeah and uh and sort of another part of that exchange that i thought was interesting is silvera says i gave you my permission and she says like first of all like i did not ask for your fucking permission and then she says and this is so true you didn't give me permission you gave dick permission Permission, to fuck me that's what happened and so is this moment where she's like their their understanding of the situation is competing and she's like you motherfucker, like, you don't even understand what you did. Look at the grossness of what you did. Like, I think Silver, I think Silver's impression was that he gave Chris permission. Yeah. But, I, but he didn't. She's totally right. It's that he gave another man permission to fuck her. And I do think, because just before that, he'd said, like, how am I the bad guy here? <sighs> I've given you everything you wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think he genuinely believes that. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah. oh, my wife wants to fuck this guy. I'm letting her. Yeah. And then he goes and barters her pussy with some quesadillas. <laughs> Oh my god. It is interesting though. I can I do actually sort of see. I guess I've just spent a lot of time with a lot of people that watch a lot of porn and there is something so weird about the way that porn is that does like affect folks and just mm-hmm. that story that you said earlier about the gay guy that watched it for a few minutes. I always had such a hard time with women's really vocal coming that sounds so stressful to me because it's not real coming. Like, you know, just like the mm-hmm. caterwauling screaming and literally that like breaks my heart every time I hear it. Yeah. And often if I was watching porn with someone else, I'd have to turn it down because it was literally like painful. And that's that same thing of like, but no, you can't tell. She, and then she's not having a good time. And then the odd time you see someone really coming, you're like, no, look at that. <laughs> a lot of folks can't see the difference. Yeah. So I find that really interesting. And I think in that same way that Silver can't really see how that was weird, how he did that. I think he really thought he was doing that well. Yeah, From absolutely. just other things that he's seen. Yeah. And then she, she's packing and she has a little breakdown. They're, they're lying together on the bed. And then the next scene is, dear Dick, my body has become a divining rod seeking to quench a thirst of a lifetime. I am drawn to your land one last time. And then we see the rock snake sculpture installation thing. And then she immerses herself in his water hole. In her clothing. In her clothing. Yeah, so it's not like a sexualized thing. It is really just... An immersive. Yeah. Immersion. Because we begin with him kind of entering her space, which is very, like, not to get all Freudian, but, like, he's penetrating her space, yeah. and we, we end with her penetrating his. Oh, yeah. And he also, he didn't ask. Like, he didn't say, I'm coming over, like, anything. He just sort of showed up. Yeah. So it gave him this upper hand of, like, surprise. 
Yes, exactly. Well, I guess she writes her letters, but he's not going to get them in advance. So I guess she did surprise him in the end too, but by what we'll see in the next episode. Yeah. And a divining rod is where you have two pieces of metal and they come together when there's water. Yeah. I like that imagery. Yeah. That she's... Yeah, going to quench her own thirst. So yeah, I guess she's going back to see if she can find what she's looking for. Because she wants, she does still want something there, but she wants it on her terms. She doesn't want to feel like she's some kind of like baseball card or farm animal. Yeah, and I love that. It is just so... There is something like kind of a lot more, I don't know how to explain this, beautiful about her in this episode. Like I just really, especially when she was yelling at him in the hotel room. And she was like, you know, don't give me your, like, you're so cute when you're angry, get the fuck out. And she's like a mess and she's losing her shit. But there was something that compared to the first two or three episodes where she, she would get upset, but she would just sort of look lost at the same time. She absolutely seems much more grounded this time. Yeah. She seems activated. Like she knows what she wants. And she's put her foot down. Yeah, I just, more examples of that, please, in pop culture is what I say. Because there's not a lot of times, I think it is very difficult, especially when, I mean, maybe this is true for, for people, but I do find like as a woman, it is difficult to be grounded and angry at the same time. Because women's anger gets either made a monstrosity or it gets belittled, right? So she, like, part of what she's saying is, is don't sexualize my anger. It's not cute that I'm angry. And also it's not like crazy that she's angry. She absolutely like knows why she's angry. She knows she, she wants him to get out and she's like very centered and grounded in that anger in, in a way that I think is very captivating because often women's assertiveness is even read as anger and, and women's anger is seen as hysterical or too much or scary in some way. And it is interesting too, where we talked about her being zigzaggy when she's all uncomfortable. Yeah. She was very just sort of straight on with her body and her gestures of her. She was like, just like, get out. Yeah. She seemed really, yeah, really dropped into herself, activating herself. Mm-hmm. Setting herself up for that final episode. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I don't think anything comes to mind. I guess I just want to say it is very exciting to watch a piece where you see a human, a woman that just activates herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not even... I feel like she activates herself through the, through the doorway of dick. <laughs> through the doorway of dick. <laughs> what a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> and I think, listeners, we will leave you with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for tuning in for another episode. Now that, now that we've, we've said, said it, it we've, we've got to get, get it. it. Good night. Bye.